Crown Princess Orla Arminger Mackenzie put her right hand to a stay and shaded her eyes with her left, looking landward as the fog-shrouded golden gate loomed before the Tarshish Queen's bow. Behind her, the booms of the big merchant schooner's three gaff mainsails swung out to starboard, with a thump and twang she could feel as a shiver through her feet as well as her fingers when the travelers reached the end of their play and the foot of the forestaysels swept by overhead. They were beating back and forth until the fog bank lifted enough for the tricky passage into the bay. Her father had died there beyond the bridge, on the northern shore of the great inland water, at the hands of men who'd come this very path not three months gone. Don't remember his death every moment, she told herself, which was wise, but hard, hard to do. Grandmother Juniper had once said to her that if wisdom was easy, any fool would be able to do it. Then she'd thumped down the beater on her big loom with fingers age-gnarled, but still deft, and Orla had pinched out the lampwicks, and both of them laughed. They'd been laughing still as they went down the stairs to sit by the hearth in the hall below, to watch winter ciders simmering on the hob, and listen to Aunt Fearbin patiently leading her latest apprentice through a piece on the harp, and breathe in the strong, fur-sap scent of the yule tree. It wasn't as funny now, though she probably understood it a lot better than she had at seventeen. Perhaps when she too was past seventy, she'd be able to laugh at the thought again. Though I'm not likely to see threescore and ten either. The ending completes our lives. It doesn't undo them, whenever it comes. Da died as he lived, as a warrior and a father and a king, as an enemy of the enemies of humankind. He died because he put himself between her and a blade, a sneak attack by a prisoner with a pair of hold-out throwing knives. After the battle was supposedly over, no time for anything but pure action without thought of consequence. She didn't feel guilty about it, or doubt for an instant that he'd have done exactly the same thing with a week to ponder it. Rudy Mackenzie would have been the first to say that it was the way of nature for a parent to fall defending his child. And then he'd have laughed and advised her to leave guilt to the Christians. No. What she felt was loss. Sorrow sharp as steel biting her flesh. Not just at his death. The ache that would have followed whenever he went to the guardians of the Western Gate but at the time and manner of it. A gripping bitterness that she'd never see him as an old man sitting in the sun and watching children play with a mug near his elbow and a cat curled in his lap and a smile on his face. That he would never spin tales of his wars and his wanderings and the wonders he'd seen and done with her children around him before the hearth with their faces wrapped or have them there to close his eyes and keen him to the pyre. Tired and ready for his rest, this life drained to the dregs and welcoming the shadow of the raven wings like cooling shade. And she felt rage at those who had denied him that.
Rage enough to boil the blood. Rage that came back to choke her when she was halfway through a swallow of food, or admiring a spray of flowers against a whitewashed wall, or letting her eyelids drift downward after a hard day's ride. Revenge you will take, but don't brood on it. That's a sharp knife you have to grasp by the blade. The tales are full of it, warping even heroes. Da walked to the dark mother smiling, with open eyes, meeting the king's fate unflinching. Your fate too, one day. For the Lord and the land and the folk are one, and we of the royal kin are the sacrifice that gives itself, dying that our people may live.